Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? Howdy, howdy. Feels like anniversary time around here. We have... uh, (laughs) It does. How are you doing tonight? Oh my gosh, are the Oscars almost back on? Uh, It's getting close. Um, So, yeah, for you and I, it's... uh, Whenever you text me about the Chris Rock special last week, I, I thought to myself, wow, for us, you always know like the day you awaken, because I think it was that Monday following the Oscars where Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. So it's it's like this crazy landmark that we have to book your awakening Um Because it goes with, you know, like this collective anger thing that was going on this weekend or that weekend. And, um, you know, that might have added 5% to your psyche or whatever. That might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But it it definitely wasn't like, you know, the reason why you had a, a grand awakening. But it is this like perfect moment in time where we can always mark that calendar. Um, but for her, it, feel, it feels like anniversary time because Chris Rock had his response in a Netflix comedy run called Selective Outrage, right? I get that right? Yes. Yep. And basically his point was Selective Outrage that uh, – you know, he didn't have anything to do with it. And basically Will Smith picked on a smaller guy, but um, more so the content. I mean, I, I've always listened to Chris Rock, thought he was funny. Definitely could see some anger in him still after eight, nine months. But, you know, that's what the guys made a living doing. And, and it wasn't, it's just not like that piece either. You can see it really bubble up, but. Chris Rock in general, I've never watched him so intently, but I had a reason to watch him intently this time. Like kind of like how I watched the matrix last time I wanted to watch it like intently and, and with purpose, there's definitely some, some anger there. And that, that didn't help because even after eight months, it it seemed like it had happened yesterday to him. And that's kind of like what anger does to you. feels like it happened yesterday because until it's out of your body, I mean, no time goes by. It has nothing to do with time. Yeah, I I really love Chris. I love Will Smith for that matter, too. I'm, I love stand-up comedy in general. Um, um, I go back to, like, Richard Pryor. I think stand-up comedy just does a really good job of analyzing the collective consciousness. Um, and, you know, I wasn't disappointed or anything. I did kind of hope because he, he took so much time. I was kind of hoping that he was going to have something. Um, I don't know, like more along the lines of, you know, forgiving in there or something. I, I had like a little bit of wishful thinking. Um, but yeah, you could just tell that he was still stirring in that anger. And it, we all saw it. I don't I don't necessarily blame him for that like that. I understand that that was a 
brutal moment for me, like let alone what it was for him. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I just, I like the guy a lot. I, I wish he could find a little bit more softening in his heart um, eventually. But it is weird, like looking at Chris Rock and like the whole stand up. And what's so good about stand up is people really kind of put their egos on display. I mean, that's what the genre of stand up is. And I mean, when you watch it now with that in mind, it's it's a trip, like the amount of like sexual desire that's coming out of him, like basically like every other sentence is just I'm rich, I'm single, I live my life the way I want to, you know, just that full on balls to the wall, you know, sexualized being. It's like, wow. I mean, it's definitely when I look at it now, it really creates a contrast to some of the other personalities, you know, in a more spiritual level, like, you know, Michael Singer or Gene Hart or somebody where it's just like, wow, there's a huge contrast here. But I mean, one is ego on display and one is, um, you know, somebody really talking from ideas of pure truth. Yeah, it was, uh, It was interesting to say the least that uh, it was it was at the very end, like just five minutes of I'm going to get my retribution. <laughs> like now. Yeah. And. Uh, I thought, you know, the silence from him and now he handled it after. Were pretty stellar, you know, that night and, you know, there was no like this huge tweets by him that I can recall that were just like, you know, being a victim. And on that note, I'm, I'm like, yes, that's you're you're right there. Like not being a victim, of course. Um, you know, there's too many victims in this world. So on one hand, I, I see exactly who he was talking about. And then he spent five minutes of just totally going off on him, which was his retribution, which, uh, I didn't really get that part other than it just being the comedic value that it was and him probably feeling like he had to throw punches back in the form of words. Um, but, uh, you know, that I think that was just for the people. I think that was just for entertainment. Yeah, I think so, too. And it, it's it's. It's a hard um format to judge i mean like if stand-up comedy i mean the first thing is is that funny so i mean chris rock delivers on that end i mean it's pretty freaking funny i'm laughing i'm giggling but then you know with the ego on display you're always kind of asking yourself like how much is he aware of the fact that that ego is on display like you know if when he completely goes into character I mean, he must have some awareness that there is like a rehearsal that goes into some of the delivery. So you hope that that, it, like you said, is for entertainment value. And you you hope that he sees some of that ego on display in himself. And I'm sure to some degree he does. I mean, for all we know, he's got a real good grip on it. Um, so. 
I love the format. I love Chris Rock. It was it was definitely uh, fun to listen to him respond. I mean, it's an unfortunate event that certainly lots of people got angry about, including myself. So it will always be imprinted. Yes. So, what direction do we want to go in? You wanted to talk about a couple things, um, and then I had the dream work in the subconscious that uh, I was going to hit on. Probably save the best for last, so let me go first. Um, I just want to mention, because we mentioned a book, so uh, you remember the title of that book? Intentions? Oh, the first one? Yeah. Deliberate intent was the second one. And then the first one is ask and it will be given. Ask I think that's and what it, it will is. be given. Yes. And oh, yeah, I got it right here. That's Lorraine Hicks. Abraham Hicks. Yeah. Well, that's the channeled entity. Um, it's Lorraine Hicks is the There's woman. Jerry Hicks on here. Jerry Hicks is the Esther husband. Hicks, so yeah. Ether Hicks. Esther, Esther Hicks. Okay. Um, asking it is given and the amazing power of deliberate intent, which basically is about the law of attraction in a nutshell with the two books. Kind of yes. along the line of the secret. And, yes. And, um, there was definitely wisdom that I needed to hear out of these uh, books. The second one, I didn't make it all the way through. The second one, um, the deliberate intent one, I just was listening and I started to notice that the word desire, and it got almost like rhythmic, like desire, 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 desire. And then as you're listening, you're like, well, this is a channeled message. And that kind of just something happened where I'm just like, what is this like constant message of desire? And there's definitely stuff in the law of attraction that I think is useful to understand, especially when you really look at law of attraction and you're just not like, you know, my manifested thoughts create my reality. When you dive into like understanding the vibrational nature of that. So maintaining a vibration, therefore attracting other things of that vibration. I definitely think that there's useful um, ideas to understand for somebody on the spiritual path. But the issue I end up having with it is it's kind of given as like an ultimate answer. So like they're, they're stated meaning of life is feeling good. So when they say like, why are we doing this? Why are we here? What, what is the meaning of existence? It is to feel good, to feel like God. And I don't have an argument for that in terms of there's in some ways that's true because if you look at Buddha and you look at Christ, I think they're feeling pretty good. And so that's the ultimate expression of it. 
But the idea, like you get to that ultimate expression just by practicing feeling good, I think is incorrect. So if we were going to say like, what is the meaning of life or what is, what are we here to do? It's way more along the lines of we are here to understand our own consciousness, to understand ourselves and to awaken in our own being. That's way more the meaning of life. So the, the message, um, from those books, um, in terms of overall spirituality, just because we'd mentioned it last week. And I, like, and like I said, I was getting interesting tidbits about the law of attraction, but taken as a whole, I don't think it's serving as a spiritual system to ultimately awaken you. I think it's a good point. You made the mention that, you know, what is your audience? Asleep people, awake people, who who are you talking to? But when you talk about the law of attraction, in terms of most people taking the truth that most people being asleep, just assuming that 80% of the population is asleep. So they're a victim of their subconscious right so they're manifesting basically without even being at the wheel so if you talk to those people and then say well just think about this there are going to be some positive effects because for one if you start thinking about anything, even if you had no meditation, if you just started thinking about uh, the beach, for example, and you don't live by the beach, pretty soon you'll be, you know, planning a vacation to the beach, it's going to happen for you. It's just going to manifest that way. Um, I think, ultimately, what I'm seeing with it, and along with with the secret, and where they got into I guess hot water is, I don't even know. I don't even have the specifics of what it was, but just as far as not being as credible as they should is because it's a secret, but almost like not giving just a little bit more information. It's kind of like the Bible. You have the Bible that gives you, the Bible is full of truths. Like you're all over the place, but there's like one key thing missing in the Bible. And it's like action. Like, what do you do? Like, it's method. Like, method. That's yeah. missing. And there's a lot of method in this book. There's there's no doubt about that. But I think there's a fine line in, in playing around with the fact that you can tell someone that they can manifest anything. Which is sort of true. But... no evolvement and no ascension and no, you know, awakened consciousness from that seems like it would just keep them asleep. It's kind of like not a therapy. Right. Cause you could play it out in like a hypothetical. So you could say like, we'll put a red button like on the table and anything you desire you press the red button and you get it. So you want a new car, press the button, you get it. 
You want a new house? Press the button, you get it. You want your 72 versions? Press the button and you get it. You get anything you desire and you just keep pressing the button. But if you just keep pressing the button, like what are you? You're a self-hypnotizing entity that's falling asleep to your own comfort. Yeah, and I, I used to think the 72 virgin thing was like out the window. But now, like, if you want 72 virgins, you get 72 virgins. Like, what is that, so. though? You have 72 virgins that you're playing all around with in the astral, but you have 72, vir- but you have no growth. So how many times are you going to do that until you're like, oh, I just need to go be a human again and live it. maybe I can ascend out of here. But I'm saying they're right. just going to barrel down. You talked about this pre-awakening like you're just gonna you're going to bear kind of like our solar system is just barreling down outer space okay you want 72 versions you understand that you can get that and barrel down the universe with your 72 versions but when is that when is when do you say enough yeah when are you gonna pick your head up exactly yeah yeah and i i think that's ultimately my problem with it and it is interesting, like the, like what you were saying, like, who are you talking to? Because I, I do feel my, I feel me asking myself that question a lot. And it does seem to change. Like if you're talking to the hypnotic state, if you're talking to the collective ego, most of the time, what you're trying to say is like little key things. And they you know, maybe, you know, a needle in a haystack hears the right thing at the right time and has something, a little seed gets planted. So that's what you're doing when you're talking to the collective ego. But then there's also like you're talking to people who have moved past the collective ego. And those people are more either somewhat content with their own spirituality or they've got the bug in them where they're going to push into the mystical. And then so those people hear messages differently. And so like that crowd, I think to go over the law of attraction, I think is pretty interesting because you can really start understanding how you can use that law in your favor to manifest back into your own spiritual progress. So there's definitely a, a message there. But when I listen to them, I don't feel like they're talking to that crowd. I feel like they're talking to the collective ego. I feel like they're they're broadcasting that out for like a broad audience. And I just keep thinking that somebody who takes this to heart that is just already trapped in their own ego and then you're going to reinforce that with like some positive action. Like I'll give you an example. Like one thing they say that I hadn't heard, but when they said it, I just thought it was super interesting, but they said somebody in depression, if they can analyze their own state of depression and turn that into anger, then that's actually raising the vibration. So if they could do that and do it consciously, so I took control of my own depression, analyzed it, and then manifested the thought of my own anger, which is still to the negative, but it's better than depression. And now just keep working your way incrementally to neutral 
and then eventually going to the positive side. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, but I'll be damned if it doesn't remind me of Aleister Crowley. And Aleister Crowley, when I looked into him, and you're just you're just trying to boil down the philosophy of somebody who's brought up all the time. So if you weren't listening before, Aleister Crowley comes up in a lot of like spiritual pursuit, but it's on the complete negative side. So self-proclaimed, I'm going in the complete direction of evil as much as I can. And then like any of like the rock and roll legends that, you know, supposedly sold or soul to the devil, all of them went to Aleister Crowley or to a protege of Aleister Crowley. His philosophy is boiled down when you look at it very simply to two things. And that is for every thought, understand its opposite. And then the other one is do what thy will, which understand the opposite thoughts and then do whatever you want. But when you look at the whole system of that law of attraction book, I'm like, geez, that is pretty close to what that message is that's coming out of that law of attraction. Yeah, I think you're onto something. It's so true. I think it's the same reason that the secret kind of got a bad rap. And I think it even went down the evil road. Um, You know, people, there was more than one person associated with that movement and people started to like, uh, you know, pull back. Like, I don't want to be a part of that because it, it literally how it was expressed into the world is that, you know, you can start getting checks in the mail. Like you can manifest pretty hardcore. Like you want money coming to you? Keep watching the mailman, put it out there, stuff like that. And I think if you want to talk about channeling people from the astral or that world that are trying to get a message to people in the 3d, I based on experience of what I could do, I think it boils down. They're just trying to tell people that you have the power of the speed of thought. Because once you lose the body and you become conscious, you have the speed of thought. Like if I want to go to Mars, I just go to Mars and I, I visualize it and I go to Mars. It's faster than the speed of light. So I think if there's any type of communication coming back to inspire people here in the 3d they're trying to tell them you guys don't understand how powerful you are like you think about like stupid shit all day you don't understand how powerful you are you don't understand you can manifest anything which is basically correct like you can do that but guess what like it can turn evil because there is universe laws in it like it can turn on you like no you can't just do whatever the hell you want all the time. No, you can't. I mean, there's, there's, there's certain rules and laws and morality and, and things that are built into the universe. You can't exploit people. You can't, you, you, you greed can't be involved. Once greed gets involved, you, you still have the secret, but it's now corrupt. Same thing that happened to religion. 
Like religion once right. had power, but greed got involved. And then, okay, you have a bunch of truth. That doesn't mean anything because something's been stolen out of you. So once your fruits are bad, you can have all the truth in the world. It's not going to mean anything. Yeah. It's, and I don't mean to, you know, discredit or I don't really want to constantly, you know, pick apart other people's, uh, you know, spiritual message. But I, and I do think like this Esther Hicks, she does come across like somebody with complete good intentions. Like that's all I felt from her. Like just, and there's lots of other material that's out there. So I might not be representing her entire body of spiritual leadership correctly. I'm just going off these two books, but it is interesting. Like, so that's the well-intended message, but it's so similar to the ill-intended message. And uh, the, the similarities in those were just striking to me. Like once I, um, I ended up turning off the second book just because all they were doing is saying desire over and over again and then analyzing like the process of getting your thought to the opposite thought. I mean, it was relentless. And I was just like, man, I've got, I have enough of this. I see where this is. And, but um, it was, it was an interesting experience. I think we'll have not to single anyone out and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but as the days and years go by, there'll be more people that understand the total truth, but are going to look to exploit that. And I'm not naming names or, or anything and not talking about the people we just talked about. Um, but you know, I, you can see the writing on the wall and there's already some of that going on too, like fake gurus and, and things, things like that. But, uh, on a positive note, is it called the Glorian podcast? Gnostic yeah. teachings. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. on the level of the best podcast I've ever listened to. Uh, what the anonymous, um, Jump. You start at the top? I started at the top. I've listened to a couple. I think I'm listening to Where Do You Find Peace? Those are just kind of yeah. comforting. Like a lot of confirmations in that one. But the first couple I listened to kind of went to, um, the again, the difference between the astral body and the solar body. And, uh, just the factual basis of it. I'm, I'm listening like seems to be a lot of facts in here as far as yeah. knowing what you're talking about. Of course I, yeah, I, I would, I would say I've experienced some type of astral body, but um, I think the solar body is the wake up that we're talking about uh, in a dream, but no, it's comforting to have, find someone that's uh, really on point and really on message and just Gnostic teachings, man. I don't know, like, if, if you had to pick one for your spiritual path, like, 
Gnostic teachings is where it's at. Like it is so authentic. Like you don't need to go anywhere else. Like if you want, like you said earlier, if you have that bug in you for spiritual to mystical, like that's it. They haven't lost any other power. None of it. Yeah, and just for the record, because uh, I I think I got to the end of that one. He does say at the end of that that it's it's the Buddhist, um, it's the Buddhist teaching, just with a different face on it. Um, so they definitely give a lot of um, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, just analyzing the um, the practices of the different monks and monasteries, and looking at. Um, you know, what their, what their process is, what their methods are, what the mechanics are. And so, I mean, that's all been endorsed by that system. And I think really it's just a matter now of, um, moving towards more experience and then figuring out how you're going to plug yourself in, in terms of, where, where do you fit in in the astral in which it's funny because like this law of attraction things really kind of thrown me for a loop because here's another thing, like I'll, I'll just pose it as a, as a question for you. Um, how does the law of attraction mingle with shadow work? So like the idea of like, I want to maintain my vibration and therefore start to work myself in a higher vibration. And this goes to, I really, I put this all together today. So this, I'm forming this, uh, as I go here. Um, but it really, it's something clicked and I, I know I've kind of felt it in my heart and I think you might as well, but if you look at the law of attraction and then you look at shadow works. So I think a, a lot of what we've done recently and even like further back in time when we've hit these periods of like frustrations and stuff, I know like my manifestation is very focused on like this forward progress, which in my mind is ascension like ascension to the, you know, the next dimension. And so there's my like law of attraction vibration, but I move past the shadow work. You see what I'm saying? Like, do we need to load the spring in, in order to boost the ascension up? Because I left that part in the dust. Like after I took a couple of glimpses in, I ended up like, okay, I see it. I'm disgusted with myself. Um, I, I can't even identify with that person. That person, you know, I remember confronting that. But then I just kind of moved on. But I'm wondering now, is it more like, you know, yin and yang or even breathing? Like you can't just exhale all the time. You, ne- you got to breathe in. You never cease to fail me and not throw me a softball 
That's crazy. <laughs> so the subconscious, I, I just want for the listener shadow work, what a, a definition working with your unconscious mind to uncover the parts of yourself that you repress and hide from yourself. Remember the word hide. This can include trauma or parts of your personality that you subconsciously consider undesirable. Anyone can shadow work. It goes straight into my dream. Yeah. So remember, like I was just talking about somebody snatching like somebody and taking them into that mountain and going down and me trying to follow, but can't find it. Yeah. It's almost like it's been giving me hints. And I, I didn't put it together till today. Yeah. So the last couple of weeks I've been hung up on subconscious and really wanting to like understand, okay, what that is, what is that? And, you know, meaning wise, like what, what is the subconscious? Like, what do I need to know? Obviously when you talk about, you know, in the matrix, when Neo's opening all the doors is, is he in his subconscious? Uh, you know, is he before he gets shot? And then, you know, he wakes up in his subconscious and now he's conscious in the astral. So I've had a lot of questions about the subconscious, like literally, like I've been sending those out projections, like, what is this, you know, um, asking for specifically, specifically. Um, and I had a vivid dream that started out with me again where there was a large school and I was young again. I think I was even smoking cigarettes, um, had to do with being on time to school, which is kind of crazy. That has to be something in my subconscious that keeps coming back up. Um, saw some person I haven't seen in 25 years that, uh, almost kind of introduced me to my first spiritual teacher. It was uh, very odd because I saw this person in a convenience store, like those, like a clerk picking, you know, putting up stuff. It was the very first person that introduced me to uh, spirituality. And it was just a messenger. It was just something that said, hey, like, have you listened to this person before? And I started listening. I'm like, where is that coming from? But anyway, I saw that person. So... I didn't really draw the conclusion then, but it, in that moment, I was in my subconscious as well, looking back on it. In, in your subconscious is a dream is something that I needed to discover because it's a place for you to do your shadow work. Like you just said, it's a place for you to observe images. It's all there and it's super easy to attain in the dream work. The second part of this dream gets kind of cool. I was in a large house and just to make the point, I am in so many houses and not even one time, but multiple times I got them everywhere. This one, I just, we had just purchased was a very big house. Um, in fact, the other house that I've been to many times is the third floor that I won't go up to, but I haven't been back since your awakening. But when that day happens, that may be my Neo moment. I don't know. I'm waiting for it. 
but <laughs> this was a very large house and I'm talking about like many rooms like like old you would call it like a mansion like a small town on like main street like an old mansion but it was long it had many rooms going down down and at one time we mingled in the living room and I had the sense that I had just purchased it. I had observed the backyard. I had observed four foot chain link fence. I had observed like neighbors were right here. I'm like, well, that's cool. You can like see their neighbors are like 20 feet away. And it wasn't a privacy fence. It was a chain link fence. I was thinking about what I was going to do in the backyard, like where I was going to put a pool, like what I was going to do back there. What was I going to do with the space? So I'm heavily involved. Hayden and KK are there. We're we're there. We're living there. Same thing as I'm living in that hotel. My whole family was there. Like like we're 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 there. And they're I think awake. Cause the story gets better. Like we're settled in. Like seems like a month in. Right. And then it seemed like forever in the dream, like I said, a month later, they walk me to the back of the house and they say, dad, we have never looked in this door before. And I, I looked at the door. I'm like, I've never opened that door. KK opens the door and points downstairs. I look downstairs. I'm like, we have a basement? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm just now finding out, like, we have an extra room. It's kind of dark. I can sense Hayden's getting a little apprehensive, has a little bit of fear. She doesn't see a light. She goes back to get a light. At the time that she goes back to get a light, I see there's a light switch on the wall. So me and KK just go down. I turn the light on. First thing I saw was a pool table burgundy with cobwebs all over it i thought wow it's a game room we have a game room down here as soon as i got to the bottom of the stairs i was in water i was in water i was on a channel i was in a channel where there was a big lake or big body of water out here but i was in the channel part to where you know you had a little side dock I was in that water, probably like waist deep. I didn't even know I was in water. I didn't discover I was in water until I saw the fishing boat. There was a fence, four foot chain link fence, like big building. I couldn't go past this fence. On the other side of the fence, I said, that's not a pool table. It was like some kind of jet ski or something. It changed. I looked back. I saw the, I saw the boat. It was like a fishing boat. So I got into it and KK got in the very back seat. I sat down on the cushion. This is how I know it's so close to an astral. I remember the seat. I was like, this seat is so soft. I was so close. I got the oars. I saw across the channel, there's like three little boat houses. They're like shacks. So I put the oar in the water and I start rowing like it's super real. Like I'm rowing. I'm like, okay, let's row over there. I was, I was investigating. I was exploring. As soon as I get to the other side, 
it starts getting dark, like pitch black, like can't see anything. I think to myself, like, okay, I'm not going to be able to explore. It's dark, like black dark. I turned around. I rode back, got on the deck. There was other family members there. There was no anger, nothing of, of, of that, but you could tell that they were in my subconscious. And one thing to note too, the water was calm. I didn't really get the full degree of what was going on till I woke up and I started writing in my journal. When I started writing in the journal, I started looking up dream work. And just for the record, I don't think like when you search for the meaning of dreams, like everything verbatim that you read is true, but it can work as a guide or an aid to help you find the meaning of something. If something jumps out of you, you're like, okay, yes, I get it. So that happened to me like two or three times that morning. I was kind of, it just turned into a devotion. I wrote down, like, it was like, you know, when you're a kid or growing up, what a devotion is, like, it's all like study based. This devotion unfolded. Like the devotion was telling me the story. It's very beautiful. Like a true devotion. You wake up in the morning and you're like, wow, that devotion just created itself. So the, I, if you look up dream meaning, a basement is a doorway to your subconscious, basically. And water in general is the perfect picture that has ever been painted for me as far as the subconscious. What I've gotten in the last couple of weeks as far as an answer is an iceberg in the water. The iceberg above water being the consciousness and below the surface being the unseen, the subconscious. I was dancing on the line of conscious and subconscious. It was messing with when I put the oar in the water. I was on a razor thin line. But also, if you study the subconscious in dream meetings, they talk about if you ever get shown the door to your subconscious, you have only a certain amount of time before the the lights go out. So take mental pictures, study it, look all around. This is exactly what I was doing until it got pitch black and I had no more time. Like I had a window to go into my subconscious, look around. I was about to explore more and I ran out of time. And Hayden and KK showed me the door. The moral of the story for me was like, it's an actual place where that's where I got to wake up. Like I was teetering on that wake up. Like it was so close to an astral from the feeling of the seat to, but also what surprised me is how calm my subconscious was. Obviously there were some things in there that I saw that I hadn't dealt with. They were there. Like it was there for you to view. Like these things are affecting you in your life and you have not dealt with them. And you can go into your subconscious and look at them and say, Oh, I haven't dealt with those. They're residing there. But the one positive was the waters were calm and there I was not angry. I didn't have any kind of 
resentments or, you know, whatever you would call it that you would find that you were disgusted. Uh, there was no lust there. There was nothing like that. The cobwebs on the pool table was pretty indicative of, you know, this old and, and dark place. Um, so I did get the effect like, dude, you haven't been here in a while. This is where you got to wake up. <laughs> and when you do that, so when you said shadow work, yeah, that's like the ultimate shadow work is to go in to your own subconscious in a dream. And not only that, but actually gain consciousness there. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me of like a conversation we had a while back where like trying to understand because I've had a bunch of like battery references and energy references. Like I've got a lot of stuff getting thrown at me trying to understand the energy but so there's always like the transmutation stuff going on but then there's also like something that we were on to a while ago like putting them on the fire like those egos on the fire dissolving in your light of awareness i mean to what degree are those the fuel that's serving for the ascension and then how does the law of attraction play into all of that. So it's almost like in reverse, like if you can, if you're in there and somewhere in there for me, like I know there's still anger in there. I know there's still lust in there. I know there's, I mean, there's everything in there. There's greed, there's envy, but it's like, if you, with the law of attraction, if you can get in that vibrational state are you attracting then other parts of that lower vibrational state in your subconscious? You see what I'm saying? It's almost like, and then from there to open your eyes and shed light on those things. Is that more of a direct path for the progression of ascension? Basically, you got to go down to get up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll read you what was part of my devotion that morning. The door to the basement unlocks for a short period of time. Once granted access, the dreamer must absorb as much contents they can remember. The images or symbols that emerge in the basement contain unconscious parts of the past, forgotten memories, repressed feelings, hidden motives, and urges. Underneath your house hides a concealed gem. Finding it brings your conscious closer to hidden universal wisdom, hidden powers, and sometimes other minds. What is hidden underneath are clues that are specifically designed for you to decode, often metaphorically. So it's all about symbolism and 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 what you see. People, um, yeah, there was people. Um, there was a lot to take from it. Um, but when I look, I know exactly where I was at. I was in my own subconscious. It's so surreal. So surreal. Yeah. And, um, 
I think there's a difference in an astral experience when you talk about elevating or ascending to the astral plane. I think you can have a level of awareness in the subconscious as some kind of astral body. But part of the ascension, yeah, it's all about ascension on, on uh, out, to go down, to go back up. Because one of the most, I think I heard it on the podcast we started listening to. I got an answer on that podcast too. Yeah, I think it was yesterday talking about the subconscious. Um, the behaviors that, From the aware, like the subconscious, the awareness not seeing it because it's underwater or not seen, but still affects like a certain percentage of your behavior during the day. So if that's not awake, like there's only so far you can ascend is if you have subconscious that you haven't descended into to free up, it's unseen. You're not aware of it. Like, I went to it in a dream, but I wasn't aware that it was there. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it uh, is like frustration. And I definitely feel like um, I'm noticing, and it's taken me a while to get here, but it's, it's just, I'm getting the sensation of I'm just exhaling all the time. Like, I have all yin and no yang and it, i mean i literally had keanu reeves neo and smith i've had a dream about both of them both of them were talking to me about acting smith did his like crazy like ego laugh for me like i asked him to do it and and neo was just giving me tips on like how to play my part better and then i had another one where it was like this real like militarized existence in like some other planet. And um, we, the force that we were fighting was like this giant force, like this force of giants. And we were practicing jumping. But when we jumped, there was like these crazy elongated jumps. But like we were training, we were jump training. I was doing it constantly. I was like in training for like this militarized action and it was all jumping. Like that's how we did everything, like these crazy jumping maneuvers. And so it's all over. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous that, I mean, I said last week and I, I'll say it again. I mean, it just feels like it's mocking me at this point because I don't quite come to like when i really start to come to is something is happening with feeling feeling in in what i would consider my body but it might that might not even necessarily be my body um those are the ones that where my consciousness is spiraling in at a very very fast rate so my 
question with like that frustration, I'm like, I think just like what you were talking about, that I'm just going to adjust my, um, um, my asks to the universe or my prayer is going to turn towards what do I need to understand the most right now? Like you can open it up vaguely like that. How can I go inside to understand the egos that are unseen to try to push? How do I go into the subconscious? So instead of, instead of vocalizing constantly, like my intention to go up, just reverse it and vocalize my intention to go down because that's one thing that's working like a charm prayer asking you shall receive is working like a charm like everything that we've asked in terms of can i please have that everything has come back to me so now just trying to play off that system and say okay well i think i need to go more in and and down i need to understand like what that guy took into the mountain and is hiding down like Let's go. He, he's taunting me. I want to be on his heels and find out what he's got. I don't know if you ever have the sensation when you look back, but when I was sitting in the fishing boat, it gets so surreal that I remember thinking this seat is so soft. Like it's this close like this close where I'm like to from vivid to astral. Do you ever get the sensation in the dream where it's like, I know it feels like when you wake up that you're unconscious, but my memory is that and those clues in it are like, it's so real. It's so, it's so, it's so real. It's so real. It's so real. It's so real. Oh my God. It is real like that. Have you gotten that before? No, it's interesting you say that because I think I can relate a little bit, but mine's definitely different. Um, When I had the Neo Smith dream, it's so funny, dude, because I I woke up, it was four o'clock in the morning and I like burst out of bed. I mean, I jumped up because I'm just like, I was just talking to Neil and Smith. And I go right to my journal. I went right to the bathroom and started writing stuff down at four o'clock in the morning. I was just, I just couldn't believe I was just talking to the two of them. And um, I came back to bed and something is happening to me at night when I'm watching TV. Like I'm very, very still and I'm going from like the TV to exactly what you're talking about. Like just noticing like how comfortable I am on the couch. And then I go back to the narrative and then I just keep going back and forth like that. But we're watching uh, the house on haunted Hill on Netflix, which has some scary parts in it. And man, like I feel it hit my body and I feel it 
go through my body. And it's just, it's fear, but I don't feel like I'm accepting it as fear. So it like comes in, there's like some, there's an external impression, but then I can feel it in the body. When I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, I would have said I was awake. I would have said I never fell back asleep. So I'm getting up at around 6.30. I would have said I never fell back asleep. But I did start playing with that energy and I had it going. I had it like spontaneously arising in my body, in my bed. And from there, it kicked it, it kicked my mind's eye in because I'm like, I got to show Luke this. And so I did, I just, I grabbed you like just in my mind's eye and I put my hand on your chest and I just, I let that energy wave through my body and I put my hand on your chest and it was just like you said, it was your face and your face just looked at me like, like, and so I could tell you were feeling it. So we were harmonizing just by standing there with each other. And then there was like all your family was there and we just kept doing it. We just kept, everybody just kept doing it and witnessing it. And we were all just like, what is going on? Like we're, are, so like spontaneously just feeling a flood of loving emotion. And we were able to like literally put our hands on each other's hearts and just go back and forth with it. But that feeling is what is bringing me to consciousness. And, and it's, I can't, it doesn't always seem to be like responding to something like the lady in the window, like was responding to something, but that's the thing that's cluing me in. It's not the impressions. It's not like the reality checks. It's not. None of that stuff is doing it. But when I start feeling something, that seems to be, it's almost like my consciousness, um, that's like a fail safe or something. Like it just, it's bringing my consciousness in. And then it's, it's almost like a, the, the mechanics is like it feeds on itself. The more conscious I become, the more I feel, the more I feel, the more conscious I become. And there seems to be like something stacked on each other there. But that's the thing that's bringing me closer to consciousness. But it's not the thing that I've been working on. It seems like progression to me. Yeah. That's cool. It's... um going to happen one day in the next podcast everyone's going to know because <laughs> uh, right on the cusp is uh is where we're at it's a pretty cool journey but dang yeah that's that's going to be a cool moment when that happens yeah i think really it's like just adjusting the affirmations a little bit i've been getting a lot better with them like i just write them down now writing like, down is really with, good 
yeah. for me, it's a game changer. Yeah, because you're you're writing in the journal already. So even before I get out of bed, like because that's when everything is so fresh, like you can almost see how your the mechanics are working, like what was working and what wasn't. And so right at that moment, you know, you get your dream down, you get your um, what you need to write there. And then on the other side of the page, I just start with my affirmations like. I I need. um I need to be shown what is most important, you know, right now, you know, something like that, something vague, something, um, something specific just, but instead what I was doing before is just focused on the Ascension. And, and again, all this is just stuff that I've stumbled on today. So I'm excited to turn those affirmations inward. Yeah, I specifically asked for dreams for stories to tell on the podcast and my dreams started kicking up and writing down is uh, huge because something happens when you write it down, even in, in your work. Like if you write something down for me, like, bam, I got it. If I just say it, <clears throat> there's something extra with it that imprints on your subconscious uh, when you do that. So I'll, I'll write three sentences of, of something having to bring some intent to, to laying down. But before I close my eyes, I always, I always say, load, load the loading program and I'll see you in, in in the dojo. Yeah. Um, And I try to visualize that white space when I go to sleep because that to me is going to be the ultimate to be in the loading program (laughs) conscious is yeah is remarkable and then from there where do you go well where do you want to go where do you want to fight oh